Okay, welcome aboard, everybody. It is Back to the Window with Scott and Scott. I am Scott Steen. I am the host of the show. I'm the lead handicapper at winnersandwiners.com. I'm your co-host, Scott Rochelle, senior handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. And together we do this each and every day, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. Scott, the warm-up music seemed like slow today, just really dragging. I, I noticed it too, yeah. Just, it was almost like I'm, I almost fell asleep before the show started. We need to like up the pace a little bit, so... Good to see you guys here. Tim Earl in the house. You know, Tim's a big uh, North Carolina guy, and he's uh, he's rooting for dim heels tonight, Scott. Uh, is, is the national championship going to take a <clears throat> heel turn? Uh, potentially. I mean, I'm rooting for Carolina, too. I've been a Carolina fan my whole life. On top of that, I'm going to be getting together with a friend of mine who I actually watched the Final Four game with. And he has a $200 ticket on Carolina to win the title at 25 to 1. So he's going to be sweating out a ticket to win 5K. So I'm going to be there in support. And he's got a Carolina hat. He's got a keychain. He's ready to roll. Go Heels. He's got a keychain. Wow. Because well, I'm sold. He started, buying, he started buying random merchandise for the school as like good luck charms kind of thing. Uh-huh. And he was trying to get the jersey, but I believe it was too last minute, so I'm not sure if he actually pulled it off or not. But yeah, he just randomly started buying random Carolina stuff. And the more things he buys, the greater the luck charm becomes. So he's kind of just been rolling with it ever since. How does he know? Uh, well, he hasn't stopped yet, and they keep winning. So, you know. <laughs> I remember it reminds me of this old beer commercial. And the commercial was about superstitions for mm -hmm. fans mm -hmm. and the slogan at the end of the commercial was it's only weird if it, if doesn't, it doesn't work if it doesn't work yeah I correct so he's just he's gonna do whatever he can to help the team i'm rooting for it of course as a fan even though i have witnessed uh, several championships in my time i think the final four win combined with the cameron indoor win probably the most satisfying time of my fandom and how does Fantastic how does one just randomly become a North Carolina fan? Uh, through my father. My father was a very big North Carolina fan, mostly around when Jordan was there, actually, with Dean Smith. And ever since then, my dad's always rooted for Carolina. And as a result, I have. I think my dad kind of made a rule similar to football, where you can root for any team except for this team. Football was the Giants. Under no circumstance could I be a Giants fan. College basketball was Duke. Under no circumstance could I root for Duke. So I just became a Carolina fan with him, and we've watched him ever since. So I don't know if you prioritize championship game wins over rivalry wins, but retiring the coach in the Final Four in a game of that magnitude, yep. and a game that was really that high quality, it was a great basketball game, that's probably the best win that I've had as a fan, okay. including the championship wins over Gonzaga, Michigan State, and Illinois. All right, very good. Uh, people checking in in the comments section. JR Black's here. What up, JR? Great day. Great Scots. I like that. Uh, Temple 243 at UNC Moneyline. Worked before, could work again. Uh, JR Black says, Is there any consideration or any correlation between a Duke North Carolina game wins losses of the next game? My thought process, the emotion aspect uh, could be emotional uh, letdown. I Well, this was my main point going into the actual Duke. Carolina game where people were just going to say well you know Carolina is going to be at a disadvantage because Duke should be motivated to avenge the loss at Cameron Indoor 
And my argument was, A, it's the Final Four, so why would you need any extra motivation? B, these schools hate each other, so why would you need any extra motivation? The only thing that matters in this game, you can argue on maybe an emotional letdown. I disagree with it. You're playing for a national title. Right. You don't need any extra motivation. You think Carolina thought they were going to go to the title game halfway through the year when they were on the bubble? Of course not. They're the Cinderella story of the tournament. They're happy to be there. Coming and Carolina the is a blue blood program that's expected to win championships. And Kansas was a one seed for most of the year. They were the number one. Were they the number one team for a couple days? Cup of coffee? Kansas? At some point? Kansas? Yeah. Yeah. Were they ever the number one overall team? I believe they were after Gonzaga lost. That's what I thought. So they were, worst case scenario, a top four team for the majority of the season. Yes. So they're expecting to win two. Kansas hasn't won since the Mario Chalmers shot. I don't think motivation really matters because I think that both teams, obviously for a title game, don't need added motivation. Okay, very good. You? Um, no, I, 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 there could be a little hangover, but no. If you, if, I can't believe there's not enough motivation to get up for playing for the national championship. I, I can't, I can't, I can't buy the letdown spot. Uh, Thomas Bow likes North Carolina plus the four. Peter Wolf playing the over. T train in the house, man. Uh, Enjoy those days before you get the shack open, Tony. J.C. Stone, very excited about Harvick. How'd you feel about that, bud? We had I had three drivers in the top ten. I lost points to you guys. Unbelievable. Uh, I had three drivers in the top ten, too. Unfortunately, I had Truex to win a 10-1, to 1, and it looked like he was cruising for about... I don't know, an hour and a half? Oh, yeah, I had Blaney, it looked, too. It looked Blaney. Really, yeah, I'd say from... I'd say the beginning of stage two all the way through to about 30 laps left. So maybe about, I don't know, 180 laps, something like that. Yeah. It looked like he was just cruising. Nobody was going to stop him. And then his car, unfortunately, didn't have enough at the end. And Hamlin came on late like a madman. So, yeah, I'd have no regrets on it. I had the favorite for the majority of the race. It just didn't work out. All right, very good. And, uh, of course, we all do want to remind you guys to like our video right here. Like it. Pound that thumb. Of course, subscribe to our YouTube channels, both the Max Wagers Network and the Winners and Winners YouTube Network as well. And check out all the other great shows on the Max Wagers Network starting at noon. Midday Money with Sean Higgs. The Plus Money Honey, the one and only Allie Burns, stopping by at 1 o'clock and she gets a, a case of morning wood. And then, of Duke, course, baby. the parlay master, uh, the king of all parlays, Chris King, along with Jim Williams doing just parlays at two, uh, yours truly, and Scott Rochelle at three. And hitting cleanup, as always, is the uh, the Earl boys, Tim and Nick, along with Detroit Lenny doing game time decision at 5 p.m. So check those all out on the Max Wagers Network and uh, the Picks and Parlays Network and YouTube, I mean, and Winners and Winners, so. Uh, Lawrence is a nice campus. It is. Um, you know, uh, Quantrell did his best, but uh, it only take it so far. By the way, since uh, you brought up the Earls, I do want to ask you something. Since baseball season starts in a couple of days, I'm assuming you've noticed what we predicted would happen, and it's already started to happen. It's the outbreak of pitching injuries, right? The, the, Mets, the Mets are fucked. <laughs> uh, though that's a classic. But in general, <laughs> the amount of injuries we've, we've already had, and we talked about the possibility with the rushed spring training and how everything was put together at the last minute. We questioned if maybe the immediate ramp up to action 
would result in a bunch of injuries. And it felt like 30 players got injured over the weekend, right? I really kind of did. T-Train says is he he sees McCormick as the key for KU, and Lightfoot came in. It seemed like Nova was able to creep up. Yeah. Huge presence in the middle. Uh, agreed. You got you to gotta have somebody to deal with Baycott. Well, that was my argument that I made before it went on air. We were looking at the tournament's most outstanding player odds, which I found extremely peculiar because, of course, Kansas is favored in this game. Right. So the betting favorite should be a Kansas player. It's Agbaji, which I can't say is fully surprising. But he's plus 110. Yeah. And you can look at the overall tournament. See, this is the issue I have with the with the most outstanding player. It's supposed to be a tournament award, but it's extremely biased to the what have you done for me lately philosophy. So if you just have a really good final four period, you're basically automatically going to win the award, even though I don't think Agbaji's had a great tournament at all. He's averaged 14 points per game, bud. He's uh, had a high of 21 against Villanova, a low of five against Providence. So Okay, so before the Villanova game, which, of course, national TV, Final Four, most recent game, he was great. He made his first six three-pointers, I think. He was pretty good. The first couple of rounds, he was really non-existent. He really didn't do much. And I know that you said he's averaging 14 points per game. I mean, he had, he had 11 and 15 his first two games along with four, along with 14 rebounds. He had 26 points, okay. 14 rebounds first two games. Uh, that ain't nothing. I'm just saying. But the point is he's plus 110 to win most outstanding player. Yeah, no, that's... And he's averaging about 14 points per game. No, that's and that's not a great prize. I would... And we talked about this before the show. I would take a spin here. If you like, if you like North Carolina, uh, I'd take a little sprinkle on Baycott and Love as well to uh, to win outstanding player. What did you tell me it was 450 and 525 respectively? I believe I know that Love was 4 to 1. I believe Baycott was around 525. Okay. If I was picking one Kansas player though, I would pick the most impactful player on the team, which I know that T-Train mentioned right here. I would pick McCormick. I think McCormick is the most valuable player on the team, especially when it comes to the title game. Yep. You have an injured Baycott. Yep. So McCormick should have an advantage, at least in quickness, against Baycott for this game. We know as long as Baycott is in the game, you basically cannot bench McCormick because Lightfoot would get eaten alive trying to guard Baycott. And McCormick really does have a pretty good matchup to potentially go for 15-15 and 15 in this game. Would it mm -hmm. shock you if he had a decent-sized double-double? No, not at all. I mean... So 6-1? to one? I, although That's I I told you I, I don't like his re I don't like his rebounding prop at four at fifteen and a half to one. Well, I mean fifteen and, at, at fifteen and a half. Sorry, not fifteen and a half. To yeah, one, that was sorry. what Baycott's numbers were. But right. the point is McCormick. Since we know Baycott can't shoot, McCormick should be in the middle of the entire game, and he should play at least thirty minutes. So the point is, if you think McCormick, which I do, can go for fifteen and fifteen, or something like that. And Agbaji doesn't have a six for six three point shooting game. I think McCormick can really steal this thing, but it's six to one. Right. I think I, that's a hell of a price. I agree. Uh seventeen seventy seven memorabilia says everybody's on Kansas, including him uh and Mattress Mac, although the comment section there seems to be leaning North Carolina. Uh JC Stone, quick baseball question. San Diego, Baltimore, or A's under season win, which of the three would you hammer the hardest? A's. You? I would say probably the A's. Shout out to them for getting rid of Manaya before the season started. I know we called that on our show. It's not a hot take. Everyone knew that they were going to trade him. The only question is how many starts does Montes make before he gets shipped off to? 
Um, it's either going to be Oakland or it's going to be San Diego for me. I know that they acquired Manaya. You can't be missing Tatis for about two months and expect me to take them like over, what was it, 87 and a half, 86 yeah. and a half or whatever. Like, I don't think they're winning 100 games. I, I, I don't think they're winning. Oh, they might not even win 81 games. I'm not sure they're going to finish over 500. So I don't think they're very good. Baltimore's tricky because the overall AL East, of course, is extremely difficult. And Baltimore, we know, is one of the lowest payrolls, and they're terrible. They do have some young players who actually looked pretty good last year. So maybe they can outscore people in the new dimensions of the ballpark. But if when it comes to hammering hardest, I would probably agree with you. I probably would go with Oakland because they're actively trying to lose. All right, very good. James Mounts in the house. Uh, Damian Cullen, uh, interesting bet. Kansas win margin 1-10 to 10 plus 172. Don't hate that a bit. Don't hate that a bit. I think the game should be close. Yep. Uh, Mattress Mac is on both teams, says Tim Earl. He has a bet on Kansas and a team from the East region to win the championship. Okay. The East region, I remember he made early, I think before the tournament started. I believe he had that, and then it came down to Carolina, Duke, and St. Peter's. That was basically the three choices he had, and he ended up – actually, not even Duke. No, it was just St. Peter's and Carolina. And Carolina ended up getting into the actual game – Madras Mack, though, doesn't strike me as being much of a hedge guy. No, I don't think he's... I'm assuming he'll probably bet more on Kansas before the game. Who does? What a fu- he's a fucking moron, and I hate being on the same side as him. That's what I would say about Madras Mack. See, the only way it balances out, though, and I made a joke about this on Twitter, the only way it balances out is if Drake bets on Carolina. <laughs> That's the only way it balances out, because he's another one of those celebrity or, I mean, recreational bettors who's just absolutely terrible, right? just awful. I know he had 100-something thousand on Duke over the weekend. He put 400,000 on Masvidal against against Covington, which was Didn't go well. a monumental waste of money. I mean, oh. I kind of told you that. Yeah, he's also a terrible better. So if Drake and Mattress Mac end up competing against each other, you're going to have a war on your hands for who's the bigger mush. 1777 wants to know how Mattress Mac is, is uh, able to bet so much money. Well... Because he's an idiot. Two reasons. That's the biggest one. The second reason is it's good publicity for the casino as well. So yeah. not, not only does Mac, does Mac gets, get uh, uh, get publicity, but whoever takes his bet gets publicity as well, and that gets mentioned. You in also the have the indirect side bets, because I'm sure some people in a championship game like this would either A, be backing Mattress Mac, or B, the guy's an idiot, he never wins anything, I have to fade the guy. So now, just by taking his action you are also kind of creating a ripple effect for other people betting solely based on what he bet. Yep, yep, agree. Um, James Mounts sums up what we just said in three minutes in one sentence. Moron with big bucks. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Absolutely. Uh, David Good says, uh, excellent ballpark food in Baltimore. I would agree with that. Uh, I had the crab cakes there and uh, some crabby nachos. (laughs) Fucking excellent shit. Now, it really depends on what your go-to meal is at a ball game. It's almost impossible to mess up a hot dog or a hot pretzel. Oh, you haven't been to enough games because they'll sure give it a shot. <laughs> a hot really? pretzel, I agree with you. A hot dog, uh, sure, you can fuck it up. Uh, you start with a bad quality dog, uh, soggy okay, bun, that kind of enough. stuff, you know. Uh, I, I personally, I like to uh, sample unique items to that ballpark. 
Okay. Like, you know, you go to Texas, you have the, the, the fucking barbecue nachos or whatever, and you go to... Heart attack, the heart attack nachos on a bun? Yeah, ba basically. Uh, Mets and Tigers choking together. I was going to say, Tim, uh, Mets bullpen looks to be in midseason form as they already puked up the lead, and now they're trying not to uh, lose the game outright in the bottom of the ninth as Ottavino, Ottavino is struggling. Shocker. Uh, and I think that's... Uh, nope. You're going to get the out. So we're going... We're at a tie game. Congratulations. Mattress Mac, yeah, that's what he. I was gonna say, Magellan. That's what I wanted. To, that's what I wanted to bring uh, up about Mattress Mac. Uh, he, no, he gives a he gives a deal, right? Like if you buy this mattress and X team wins, you get everything free. But what I was gonna say though, I have to interrupt because that was the case, Magellan, for the Astros, because they were the local team. I don't think he branched it out to random teams that are not in the neighborhood. I think that insurance policy was only for the Astros. I don't think that's true. Because they were the local team, I think. I don't think that's right. I think so you're telling me that a mattress store in Houston was going to give out free mattresses if the Buccaneers won the title? Yes. I don't buy that for a sec. Dude, he hedges it with the bet. That's the whole point. No, I get it. But I'm saying I'm pretty sure the promo involves the local team. I don't think they're rooting for random teams in different leagues. I, I don't know. I know that that was 100% the case for the Astros. When they won the championship and when they were in the running, I don't think it had to do with the other sports. All right, so surely we got somebody from Texas, we got somebody from Houston that can that can give us an opinion on this. Uh, I think he expanded it beyond the Astros. I agree. He expanded with, his gambling. I agree I don't with know Magellan. If promotion also applied past. Uh, I don't know. All right, so let's talk a little bit before we talk about tonight's game. Let's, uh, dude, Sonoran hot dog. Oh fuck, yes, yes, with the oh yeah, big fan. Uh, anyway, Warren, Warren, okay. Robinson says it is beyond local, uh, both house and player East region was if Texas or Baylor wins, they get their money back says Tim Earl. Okay. So there you go. Youngin. It's all about break, breaking even and selling some mattresses. That's a terrible deal. Anyway, you get your money back. If Baylor wins the title, they're the uh, wins, the whatever they're the one seed. That's a terrible bet. <laughs> no, it was, ba it was Baylor or what was the other one? Texas. Okay. Cause they're the local teams. Okay. Right, Baylor's right. in the East region. So you lose the one seed. That's a terrible bet. Unless he went out of the state. Okay. All right. Uh, Michael Dost. Oh, here's a controversial opinion. Putting ketchup on a hot dog screws it up. Yes, I'm from Chicago. Okay, Michael, you don't have to be from Chicago. Uh, that's a fucking terrible... Do you have decision. a go-to topping on a hot dog? Oh, absolutely. Uh, if... If, if, if all the options are open to me, I know one, I like a good Chicago dog. The sport peppers and the green relish, all that shit. But if it's just me, I'm going to put onions, sauerkraut, and uh, mustard. That's it. That's what I do. The regular with. onions are sauteed? Uh, regular. Regular. I like, I like a little crunch there. Okay. So there you go. And you? What, do you? what do you got for a dog? I'm pretty basic. Yeah? So I'm more of a hot sauce guy. Okay. I actually mm -hmm. like a little bit of heat. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, I'm with you on the onions. Sauerkraut on occasion, not okay. often. I've never been a big ketchup guy. Okay. Or really like mustard or relish. I'm not really one of those basic condiment guys. I'm a hot sauce guy. All the hard-hitting sports topics of the day. That's right. Right yeah. here, guys. We're talking about ballpark food. We That's are. important stuff. You got opening day in a couple of days. You got to prepare your order. Absolutely. Absolutely right. Chili cheese, barbecue sauce. See, dude, that's that. See, you have to factor in you're eating in a fucking seat. Now, if I'm sitting in a, a restaurant or at my house... Sure, good chili dog, fantastic. If I'm trying to if I'm trying to juggle that and a drink 
in the stands, it becomes a bit of a challenge. That's my problem. I, with think, my, I think my dad's gotten the same thing at a baseball game for the last like 30, 40 years. He gets a big pretzel okay. with honey mustard, okay. and that's it. That's okay. literally it. It's the only thing he gets. All it's right. one of the most basic orders you can get, but it really never misses. Mustard and onions, plain and simple. I'm all over that too, Tate. No problem. Maybe add some cheese. Okay. Yep. New York City hot dog way to go. Again, it's hard to beat a, a good Nathan's. Uh, agreed. Um, do, 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 do hot dogs at uh, UA are terrible. Two or three by chance. Uh, where's you? Uh, but I'm from Philly. Magellan, you're from Philly. Uh, uh, Geno's or what's the other one, Scott? You know? Uh, no, I, I forgot. Pat's. Sorry. Pat's. Oh, okay. Uh, mustard, mustard, onion, you'd be a pickle rose. There's, there's your, your Chicago dog right there. The Hebrew nationals out of New York. Yep. Also very good. Dixon chili. Dude. No, no, David. I'm, I'm sorry. I love you, buddy, but I have Is that to... better than skyline chili. Oh God. Okay. Dixon chili has, has been around since like 1917. It's pretty close to my house and it comes out and you get like, uh, beans and a bowl of meat that has like a layer of grease on the top. It is like one of the most visually unappealing things as, as far as their chili goes. I can't get behind it. Now, the taste is good. The taste is okay. Certainly better than Skyline where they put the, the fucking whatever they put in there, cocoa or whatever makes it sweet. But uh, uh, best part of baseball is eating dogs with a friend. Mm -hmm. It's hard to argue with. Just you don't even need the dog. As long as you just have good company, you can just go in again. Yep, yep. Uh, steak and shake chili. Yeah, dude, for fast food chili, I 100% agree. Uh, they put actual steak in it. So, Pat's there. You go, Magellan. He, know. of course, you. Know. I know you would know. I was checking to see if see see if Rachel would know. So, right. Scott, you want to you, you want to segue? Yeah, let's do it. I want to talk about. Uh, <laughs> I'm loving the hot dog talk. I really am. Well, welcome to Linda Risman is hot dog talk. No big whoop. We talk hot dogs. Um, I want to talk about if that where that Duke North Carolina ranks on the pantheon of all time great tournament games. Thank okay, we going Thank final you. four. Thank you, Michael. Going yes, it is. Time in any in any capacity. Um, well, I I think you have to up. I mean, any any capacity in the tournament. It could be a first round game, but it's likely going to be more memorable the deeper it goes in the tournament. So, I mean, yeah. if you've got if you've got a second round game, and you want to make a case for it. Go ahead. But well, I think my argument would be that when it comes to games Duke was involved in, it's not even number one. I mean, it, it has to be the Leitner game. And I don't even like Duke at all, but I mean the Leitner game was an overtime game where both teams scored a hundred. I mean that that's one of, if not the best college basketball game of all time. My favorite Final Four game, of course, is probably this one because of all the fandom part of it. But for me, the best Final Four game that I've personally seen in my lifetime mm -hmm. was last year. It was a Gonzaga UCLA. Yeah, I was gonna. I was, I, I, I wanted to. That be is an all-time game, and With it's the very half quarter. tough to beat it. Yeah, it is. Um, I've got a couple, um, and this is where fandom games or unbiased games. No, totally unbiased games. I don't even know that I had money on these. Well, I know I had money on one of them, but, uh, it was the North Carolina state Houston game. Um, that, okay. that was just, that moment was so unexpected because he takes that shot. And the first thing you're like, fuck dude, there's time left. That's not even going to be close. And then just. Puts it right. It, well, it wasn't close, but that worked out to their benefit. Right, just the stick, the stick back, or or the stick. I guess it's more. Athlete. I think it's tricky for me to fully evaluate games pre shot clock era, just because of the pace. Yeah, and I know it was different because before the shot 
Shotcock existed. You didn't really know what else to expect. That's just what you were used to. But I'm sure if you go back to one of those games or you go back to watching Dean Smith with the four corners, it was probably brutal if you go back to it now. Yep. You see one shot attempt every two minutes. Well, I might factor it in when you compare. I mean, it's, I've, you know, I know I've told you the story about my high school basketball team that was coming off the state championship. They went to a team that had no chance to beat them. Uh, they totally went four corners the whole game. They won the, my team won the game three to two. So, yeah. uh, but North Carolina used to be so frustrating because you get, you'd, they'd get a, you know, six, eight point lead with eight minutes left and they'd fucking go into the four corners. It was just, it was yeah. just, just insufferable to watch. Some Summer mentioned the other game that I was thinking of. Of course, I root for North Carolina, so it's rough, but you have the Jenkins shot. Mm-hmm. You have a buzzer beater to win the national championship game. I yep. mean, that's that's another great moment. A teacher is talking about Villanova Georgetown. That's the other Villanova. one I was that's the other one they I was gonna what, mention. Like 70% from the floor. Yep, that's the other one I was gonna that was the other one I was gonna mention. I stood I had a bet on that game. I stood in the middle of a sports bar and watched it. It was I'll never forget the first two shots. Ewing probably was up in the air eleven fucking feet. And knocked him out. They were both goaltending, and yeah. you, you like you saw how hyped up he was. But this Villanova, that Villanova team, just could not miss. That was it was eighty five, right? Yeah, oh uh, yeah, eighty five, eighty five. So, uh, yeah, went to a regional with Bill Walton versus Dayton. Triple overtime win uh, for UCLA. Greatest game I ever attended. That's hard to argue with a triple OT. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks, thanks for STM checking checking it out. Uh, noticing the fresh shave. That's a. There you go, kid. Uh, I think it's the best game in the North Carolina Duke rivalry. Oh, because it's the only time they ever met in a tournament game. Right, right. So I think that's probably number one when it comes to the rivalry itself. But for NCAA tournament games, the immediate overreaction of this is the best game of all time, or this is the best Final Four game. Instant classic. We literally had UCLA Gonzaga last year. Right. It's not even the best game of the 2020s. Right. Uh, like we we can pump the brakes a little bit. Tim Earl bringing up Syracuse and UConn six overtimes. Yep, that wasn't a tournament game, but that is a great game. Yep, that yep. was that was a Big East tournament game. Right, uh, three Big East teams in the Final Four. Yep, yep, that's right. Uh, of course, that you know back in the, I think it was they've talked about they talked about the last time these two teams met for the championship was actually in Kansas City, the old Municipal Audi, uh, Auditorium. And I think it was fifty. It was either fifty three or fifty seven. I think it was fifty seven. But it was a triple overtime game as well. And they used to do like on the anniversary, they they like run little things in the paper. So I actually know a little bit about this game. And it was it was pretty incredible. It was pretty. Uh, it was it was a hell of a game. I, I wish I would have seen it. Not even I was alive for that one, Scott. Yeah. Uh, Nathan Cerner likes UNC first half. You know, I've been a big I've been a big backer of this this ten minutes of hell that Kansas runs. Like if you look back at their games. They've usually had a stretch of about ten to twelve minutes where they just blow the other team out and they have no answer, and that's and they play them even for the rest of the time. So usually you, in the first half, isn't it? Well, it, it, it is in the early in the tournament. It kind of been in the in the second half, but it was they then they uh, they did that against Miami, but then they came out strong in the first half. So they really played thirty really good minutes of basketball uh, before uh, before shitting the bed. Well, I mean they played them even. They played they played them plus plus fifteen for the first. Ten and a half minutes. They played a minus. They played them plus one for the the rest of the game. So they, yeah, they just completely blitzed the Villanova from from the start, and the game was over at that point, but, or it wasn't fully over because Villanova cut it to six. But you know what I mean. Kansas kind of cruised there. But yeah. anyway, you're abs- the by, by the way, Tony, you're absolutely right, dude. 
You can tell Rochelle's like the game last year, and, and I'm talking about well, I, uh, I the Villanova game. I know. Just the just to highlight the recency bias. I'm just that was my main point, and it, it's a good one. But I'm just saying. I mentioned the late. I, I'm trying to highlight. I'm try, wait, you're saying I'm trying to highlight the recency bias by talking about last year's game? Yeah, that was my point because people are so caught up in the now <laughs> they forgot about what happened less than a year ago. Okay. That was my point. Let alone 1984, 1985. Yeah, or let alone the Leitner shot. Like there's there's a lot of moments that people just forget about immediately. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Very good, David. We're going to do a Masters show. It's been strong. Are we? It's, that's news to me. I didn't even know. It's we were been doing strongly it. suggested that we should do a Masters show. I we, I talked to you about this on Friday. Yeah, briefly. Okay. Well, then it's that not. Plus, I was listening to the conversation. Okay. Well, it's not. It's not complete news to you then. We're gonna see if we can get. It's to... news. It's not. It's not breaking, but it's news. We're gonna see if we can get uh, somebody that knows even more about golf than we do. I know that's hard to believe, but. Uh, um. By the way, my kid, my, my kid played golf for the first time in three years this weekend. Shot bogey golf. So. Okay, that's not terrible. Shout out to him. Nope. Nope. As long as he didn't shoot, as long as he didn't shoot lower than that, that's fine. That's my cutoff. I've told you my golf theory. I've never known anybody that played better in bogey golf that wasn't a douchebag. So he's not a dick. There you go. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I agree, Summer Sweat. I think Tiger's going to play. Scott, you want to hit that real quick? He's uh, he's out there playing practice rounds, played nine. He's going to... Uh, he's, i got to figure out what the best line is because you can shop around for him to complete one stroke, and the lines are all over the place. It was like minus 300. Then it went to about minus 3,000. And now it's back down to like minus 500 because Tiger said he's a game time decision. Right. Personally, I think he's going to play. Yes. Do I think he's going to complete the entire tournament? Separate story. But I do expect him to be there for the opening tee. Now, complete the entire tournament that he is eligible for. In other words, if he doesn't miss the, if he, if he, if he misses the cut, what's, what does that do? Are you talking about that he flat out withdraws? There's, there's, a, there's a separate prop bet on if he will even hit the opening tee. Okay. The uh, yes no, is th- like minus 500. Okay, well, I get that. No, you're saying where he completes the tournament, and I'm saying yeah. what, what defines completing the tournament. Is it just... This is either or. Okay, so if he misses the cut, he completed the tournament. If he gets through two rounds, I'll be impressed. Uh, I think he uh, will. Okay. But... We'll we'll see. Of course, I'm rooting for Tiger. Right. I mean, I don't know how you're not rooting for Tiger, but do I think he's going to make the cut? No, I do not. Magellan Magellan Sports brings up a good point, and that is uh, the course has way too many hills for him to walk all four days. I have not walked the course at the Masters. I have been to that course. I've been to Augusta. It is. It is. I'll tell you what. TV doesn't fucking do it justice as how Mm -hmm. hilly that is. And, that and is that's a, one of the issues because Tiger, I'm sure, asked. I'm, I'm pretty sure he asked for a golf cart, and they told him no. Well, right? you, you know, they had the big kerfuffle. This, no, 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 this is probably before you were born, but I know somebody will help me with the name here. The guy I, sued. I forgot what his name. His was. name was Casey. I can't remember his yeah. last name. His first name was Casey, and I can't remember. But he had a degenerative leg disease that literally prohibited him from walking. And I want to say that the PGA turned him down. And he, like you said, I think he had to get remedy through the courts. Yeah, uh, that's a tough course to walk. Been there. Yeah, he knows how tough it is to walk. That's absolutely true. So That's what I'm saying. So I'm not picking him to make the cut. I'm not picking him to do whatever. But all I'm saying is that if you can bet him to at least attempt one stroke, which means to hit the opening tee on hole number one, I think he'll be there. You? I, I think the Masters is too important for him to miss. <sighs> yeah, I, although, man, 
even I'm, if it's I'm, symbolic. I'm no, no. See, I'm really torn on this. I'm not sure he wants to make a symbolic gesture. I'm not sure that Tiger wants to just show up and you know fucking have Arnold Palmer Day like you know when these guys, Gary Player and these guys that are still yeah. playing and go out there and you know shoot 88 or whatever and then you know, okay, well that's fun. I, I don't think I, think the, I think the counter argument though would be, I don't know how many Augusta's Tiger has left. So he might just try to savor every minute of it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't you can I, make an argument either way. We'll see. Uh, Casey Martin, Tate the Great. Exactly right. And T Train says that went all the way to the Supreme Court. I'd forgot it. It went all the way. Yeah. Yes. He won in the end, I believe. Yes. He, in, then a couple years later, he they ended up having to amputate his leg. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he won't, uh, he won't hit a ball to shoot an 85. I, He's, Depends he's, what Tiger feels about his own abilities right now. Yep. If he thinks he's okay enough to potentially make the cut, then you better believe he's going to go for it. Now, that's once again goes back to your point. I don't know if he's going to be in for the symbolic gesture, but it is the Masters. Tiger made $10 million for being the biggest ambassador to the sport right. for popularity. So, of course, we know the Masters ratings, everything will be huge if Tiger's there. It's really a tough call, but I do think that Tiger will hit the opening tee shot, in my opinion. <laughs> Michael Dove says, if John Daly walked, then Tiger can. <laughs> so here's the deal with Tiger. Only he knows what kind of shape he's really in, yeah. how much he's pushed himself, what he's done as far as rehab. Plus, Scott, if you've ever rehabbed an injury, you set goals. You set, mm-hmm. and sometimes, sometimes they're kind of semi-unrealistic, like Tiger may have said, you know what? I want to be ready to play in the Masters, and that could have been his big fucking goal. So that could be the one argument on the side of symbolism that maybe it was a milestone in his recovery that he had Augusta circled on his calendar. That's he's played what the one tournament he played the pro am with his son. Yeah, yeah. That's the only tournament he's played in like a year. Uh, yes, that is correct. Okay, we'll see. I'm trying to think when this accident happened, like a fourteen months ago or so, give or take. Yeah, I want to say like in the winter. Uh, David Good said one jurist on the Supreme Court slept through the case, according to him. Uh, see his book to see who. Uh, I would be interested to check that out. Although, well, he might have voted for him because he won. It's the Supreme so. Court, so everybody's a hundred. So I would mm-hmm. fucking any of them could sleep through it. Uh, should I bet on the Giants? Uh, talk about team total. We like to bet on Daniel Jones. We like. I mean baseball. I hope he, if he means baseball team total, yes, we liked. We both like the Giants. We thought that's where the the other team that would pick up the wins in that horrible division and everybody else would fucking blow chunks. Pretty much. Uh, That's for the actual season. If you want to actually talk about the uh, game today, they play against Oakland in about 30 minutes. Uh, Let me see who's actually going to be playing in that game. That's really the one thing about spring training. Got to actually confirm who's going to be playing or not. Uh, It looks like the Giants are going with mostly – uh, their usual lineup. Uh, it seems like Oakland's kind of half and half. I do like San Francisco there, though. They're the, they've been the better team in spring training. They're starting the majority of their normal everyday starters. Oakland, once again, is about half and half. So I actually do like the Giants in that spot. All right. Uh, David Good said it was Thomas that slept. I don't know. I've never, I've never read that. I know Thomas never did not ask a question for the first 16 years, first 16 sessions on the Supreme Court. Uh, T Train says fade Oakland every time. 
Uh, I don't know about every time. See, I, but at some point, they're going to be like three to one on the money line. Correct. At some point during the year, they're going to they're going to catch up. The books are going to catch up. I think that I think Tony, I think you're right. I think we ride it. I, I think we ride that horse till it fucking dies. I would agree with that. I think yeah. at some point to start. It'll, it'll be somewhere probably around the first week in May that the books kind of figure it out going, yeah, there's people are figuring it out. So, I mean, I forgot what Oakland started out last year when I called for Melvin's head in my defense. He, they did get rid of him after the end of the season for a completely <laughs> unrelated situation, but uh, I believe they were, I'm trying to remember what they, what were they? Oh, and six to start. Were they like two and 12? Yeah, it was a week. It was, it was, it was a weekend. You were calling for his job. Pretty much. He did end up leaving at the end of the year. But the point is, Oakland last year got off to a terrible start. It would not surprise me if they're like 15 games under in like a month and a half, if not more. Yep. They might start off like 10 and 30. Absolutely right. All right. Hey, let's do our uh, we, uh, let's do our show real quick here. <laughs> we, got, we went down the rabbit hole completely. Yes, so, we did. All right. That's about, about a 30 minute rabbit hole. Okay. You want to do it? You want to do it real quick here? Yeah, sure, let's do it. All right, let's do it, guys. Let's find out what happened over the weekend. And uh, stop taking us down hot dog rabbit holes. I blame it all on you guys. <laughs> all right, here we go, Scott. Let's find out uh, who your winners were, who your whiners were. It's the Monday edition. It is time to call the cops. <coughs> all righty, kids. We're going to start off in a preseason baseball down there in Florida. If you had the Phillies on the run line, minus one and a half against the Tigers. Yeah, they led by five after seven innings. Surely you can't even fuck this up in preseason, right? Oh, wrong. Tigers scored four in the top of the eighth. Phillies, oh, they still won. They didn't cover the run line. So sad. Phillies backers, if you had the run line there, call the cops. And now we got a couple of Saturday plays, so you know it was especially bad if we're going back in time. Starting off with the afternoon hockey game on Saturday between the Devils and the Panthers. Diablos! Sorry. You bet the Devils on the money line at plus 210. They lost their last game 8-1, to one, but you thought maybe they'd bounce back. Well, they did. They led a 6-2 after the second period. So you have four goals to play with. Just don't be an idiot. And they were. They gave up four unanswered goals in the third period. They went to overtime. You blow a lead like that, you're not winning in overtime. And the Panthers won. Devil's ticket, rip it up. You blew a four-goal lead in the third period. And also on Saturday, if you had the Rockies on the money line going against the Athletics, if you started fading the A's early to beat the Rush, well, you're in great shape. 11-5, to entering the bottom of the ninth. Oh, my God. Really? That's right. Oakland scored more runs than they'll probably score in a lot of three-game stretches this year. They scored six runs in the bottom of the ninth. The game ended up in a push. 11-11. That's no good. Sure, go ahead. You get to uh, you get to uh, you get your money back. Are you happy about that? You are not. You had the Rockies. You're up money eleven line. to five. Yeah, yeah. You're six. A six run lead in the ninth. You are not happy. That is what we call a push loss, right there, kids. Time to call the cops. That's awful. Awful. <laughs> awful All right, and of course uh, there is the opposite of the cop car, and that's the rocking chair, guys. Let's see. Indeed, who was sitting in the uh, in the uh, Lazy Boy, rocking chair. So, the first one, if you had the Knicks yesterday, minus five against the Magic. We know the Magic are basically tanking. Knicks led by 10 at the half, and they won by 30. There you go. And if you had the uh, Thunder, plus 14, fuck, give those points back. Sure, they trailed by one at halftime, but they put it on the poor 
hapless Phoenix Suns. Jesus, is that team ever going to win a game? Uh, Thunder, they win by 21. Break up this. Break up the Thunder. They're going all the way. And the last one, if you had the Warriors minus four and a half against the Kings, they led by 20 at halftime, and they won by 19. All right, very good. And we do have a, uh, speaking speaking of golf, I'm sorry, did you say kill all the golfers? The golfers, man. Um, heading into the Masters, you would expect uh, some guys to be in uh, in really good form. You expect to see some other surprises. There's always the story, Scott, sometimes the, the last tournament or somebody that has never won gets that victory and gets to play in the Masters, and that's what we had in the uh, in the tournament over the weekend in the Valero Texas Open, Scott, let's find out who it is. Uh, open up the spit valves, blow that shit out of there, and get ready to blow your trumpet because it's time to find out who is the gambling hero of the weekend. All right, very good. And uh, Scott, I'll let you take this one because. I've actually got uh, a little uh, audio-visual queued up for this one. So uh, go ahead, sir. So for this one, it's going to be PGA Tour golfer J.J. Spawn. Who exactly? Because he was 210 to 1 to win the Valero Texas Open. That's plus 21,000 if you're <laughs> doing the math at home. And not only did he win it, it was a bit sweat-free. He actually won by two strokes. Let's take a look. Uh, anytime you can catch that ribbon, one of those shots. set up for a score. J.J. Spawn opened with double bogey. This was after he had a share of the lead at the 54-hole mark, but he ends the front side with uh, a bang. That looks like all of my chip shots right there, Scott. How about you? Get in the hole! Oh, well, yeah, it's definitely a nice shot there, but... They call that touch around the green, one. my friend. 210 to 1, baby. 210 to 1. That's a hell of a deal. Friend should have $250 on that one. That would have been the play. Mm -hmm. So, do you like Spawn to go all the way in the Masters? Uh, no, but shout out to him for making it into the Masters. Hells to the yes. Yeah, it's, it's the spawn of a new generation. Somebody asked about our WrestleMania bet. Scott, did you ever uh, tally those up? I did not, but I believe we actually did okay. I know the main, the huge upset, quote-unquote, was Ronda, yep. who ended up losing to Charlotte Flair. I actually watched that match. I did not. I know that apparently she had an arm bar in and she tapped and nobody saw it. Some yep. random bullshit. Oh, uh, yeah. Lost. The, uh, the, the, I'll, I'll tell you what happened. She was knocked. Uh, they threw Rhonda into the referee, and uh, she got up. She got on Flair, got the arm bar. Flair tapped out really fast, and the referee was out. Rhonda went to get the referee and wake him up. Go, look what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to do it again. Uh, and then Charlotte hit her with a uh, uh, kind of uh, blindsided her while she was fucking with the referee and pinned her. So. Yeah, from what I heard, the main takeaway from the actual day two was Vince McMahon doing the worst selling job on a stutter in probably the history of WrestleMania. Okay, well. And that was my main, that's the one thing I heard there. But I'm, all I know is for the actual bets, I was the only one who liked Roman laying like 350 yep. on the show. Yep. And he won because I thought that was the easiest bet to make for the entire card. Uh, we were right about McAfee. That worked out. I don't know about the actual tag team stuff. I'm not sure how that went. I didn't see. But I believe we did okay. I didn't see well. Johnny Knoxville did either. But uh, I didn't see. I didn't see that either. True, but I believe we did okay though for the main stuff. Yeah, it was pretty chalky. But uh, I'm and I'm gonna. I mean, we weren't gonna lay minus nine hundred with Ronda. So we were not. We go. No, no, good call there. All right, buddy. Well, let's get to it, shall we? Um, I see you're back away from the shed. So, Scott, we've got a modest one game winning streak going. I'm pretty pretty excited about that. 
But uh, once again, kids, it is time. Put on those overalls, grab your straw hat, adjust it just right at a nice rakish angle. And um, yeah, climb aboard your John Deere. Get out your lucky keys. Fire that bad boy up because, kids, it is time to bet the farm. All right, I'm still going to figure out the timing on this, but Scott, let's uh, let's take a look and see. Uh, uh, this is this is the view right out my uh, right out my front door. There you, there you go. That's what isn't isn't everybody in the isn't everybody in the uh, uh, east think that's what the Midwest looks like? That's what it all looks like right there. I mean, I went to Wisconsin, so I was just expecting to see farmland. I saw actual cities that caught me off guard, you know? Yeah, yeah, kind of weird, huh? All right, well, let's just take a look and see what we've got cooked up for tonight. Scott, we are going to turn to the ice. I think we've talked about our picks for the uh, for the game tonight and uh, no NBA action, so we're going to take a look at the frozen pond. And, hell, what, what? why not, Scott? We're red hot on the ice. We've won how many in a row? Uh, we've won one, one for the farm. That's right. But I have won two straight on my personal plays for hockey. So, fingers okay. crossed. Well, I'll take that for what it's worth. But tonight, we're going to take, in the Arizona Coyotes game, we're going to bet the farm it's a play, on... It's a player prop in hockey. It is a player <laughs> prop player in hockey. Prop. That's right. It is Ivan right. Prozbatev over 29.5 saves at minus 113. Why would we make such a bet? Well, there's a couple of reasons. First of all... Arizona, at defense, uh, as they say down there in uh, in the Southwest, is no bueno. They allow 35 and a half shots per game. If you think that sounds like a lot, there's a reason. It's the most in the league. And they have bet twice this season already. St. Louis averaged 33 and a half shots per game in those first two. Arizona playing the second night of a back-to-back. -back, and that is important because uh, Prozbatov, has, uh, should have a long lease tonight since the starting goalie is being given the day off. So, there you go, kids. That's going to do it for Bet the Farm. We like uh, Ivan Aprozovatov over 29 and a half saves. Now, we uh, we have talked about this. The only small danger would be uh, if he gives up a shit ton and gets yanked, but that's why we put the last point in there, because the odds of him getting yanked are much smaller since they are giving the starting goalie uh, the night off. So, there you go. Well, it seems like Arizona, as we already know, the season ended when it started, because they've been terrible since the get-go, but the point is, they got nothing to play for. The starting goalie has actually been okay for them this season, but he played yesterday. It's a good spot for Arizona to potentially get their ass kicked, but at least give a young guy a young goalie prospect to potentially uh, get a decent amount of playing time to actually evaluate him. I think the interesting part, by the way, completely unrelated, his ESPN page says that he's from Moscow, USSR. Oh, okay. Doesn't even say Russia. So apparently he's from the Soviet Union. We're going to see how that goes. Wow. He must be old. It's on ESPN. I don't know why it says that, but it does say USSR. So okay. Well, that in mind. take there that for what you will. That's going to do it for the farm, though. And that's going to do it for the show. We appreciate you guys stopping by. As always, don't forget to check us out each and every day. You can check out uh, Scott and I. You're going to do Alley show tomorrow night? You, you'll be there, Mr. Uh, yes, Big Time? Yes, I will be there. Good. Check us out 
on Total Chaos, along with our pal Chris King. And then stop by Wednesday, of course, for our Masters preview. But we do this each and every day, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. Scott and I will help you guide your way through the perilous journey and head back to the window. Take care, everybody. Thank you.